Yeah, I think we're going to talk about Predator. I haven't seen Predator in a while. I know, Austin, you've seen it quite a bit. Uchi, I think you're kind of getting, uh, you know, up to speed on it. I think it's just kind of like one of those things where it's a super macho movie. Uh, there's a lot of testosterone going on there. Big guns, aliens, explosions, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura. I think it's just kind of like talking about that film, but also kind of segueing into, you know, I think there was kind of a, a different perspective of what, what it meant to be a man back in those days. You know, actually it wasn't very that very long ago, but it used to be kind of like big muscles and uh, the capacity to like deal with conflict and to be a badass. And it's like, is that what that is today? Is that like kind of like how we perceive that? And I think that's just kind of like what, mm-hmm. what the conversation is for today. And this movie has, uh, that's like the whole movie. It's like the most masculine movie like ever made. Like, like the the alien shows up right at the beginning, and they immediately like cut to Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers handshake with just two biceps meeting in the middle, and you just you just forget yeah. about that alien <laughs> right away because it's just like oh wow man you got Arnold you got Jesse Ventura Carl Weathers Bill Duke the guy who plays Billy I'm not sure what his name is Sony Landon I think yeah and then. I thought the actors, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was actually really good in this movie. I would say probably even better than like the Terminator, which I I think kind of gave cadence to like some of his longevity in the entertainment industry. But I mean, it was actually really good when you go back and look at this movie. I mean, I don't think there was a whole lot to it, but I mean, what he was able to do actually fit really well into the role. Yeah, and he doesn't really use a ton of dialogue like towards the end. Totally know what's going on. Yeah. Like he just has a really expressive like face, and you just get it. Uh, he doesn't have to say much, which is probably a good thing because some things you can't understand what the heck he's saying. But I mean, he's he's the most quotable person in this movie. But even if he wasn't saying much, like you can watch this whole movie and understand exactly what's going on just by looking at his face. I think the one thing I loved about that film was that first part where he's they're just mowing down Contras all day. Because I don't think a lot of films, you know, a lot of films with gun violence don't do this very well, But except for John Wilk. I'll give John Wilk its due diligence. But, um, like, they show these guys going through the gun training and, like, learning how to shoot the gun and being able to handle the recoil and the explosions and all this other shit. And I don't think a lot of action movies, even now, don't. They, they have computer generated. They can just computer generate that kind of stuff. But this was a movie where everything was full on, go, go, go. Stunts were real. Explosions were real. Yeah, and gunfire was real. And that, I think that's a part of it. Was it? I think the gunfire was well, that, real. I'm pretty minute. sure. In that ten there minute, are a lot of parts. you know, shooting spree scene they have, like there's guys getting set on fire, there's guys falling while on fire, there's guys diving into a lake while on fire, there's a chopper exploding, like there's just a ton of there's a ton of stunts that is going on. Oh yeah, it's a it's so much, and it's like you you know old old school movies like that they just did it right because they had to put in the effort to show the explosion like there were like 
I mean, when I think of any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, it's like the level of like True Lies, where they were on the bridge. That's real, you know, the Harrier and stuff, like all that real effects with action movies, you know, real explosions, real crashes, all that. Yeah, it says here on the Wikipedia that the filming was like super demanding. Like when they were in the water, they were actually in like freezing cold water with leeches and like stagnant water. They did things to where like you couldn't see the suit. And so when they were doing like specific fight scenes, like a lot of the hits to the face were actually like real. So I that was kind of like a whole nother like filming aspect of it. I'm surprised it's only made ninety eight point three. I thought it's a good amount. But it was rated R. So I mean maybe that had a big deal or you know uh, deal with it, but Yeah, I guess adjusted for inflation too. That's probably a lot in the eighties. 90 million. Is it yeah, weird that, like, if this movie came out now, if it didn't have, like, The Rock in it, would anyone go watch it if Predator was just a brand new idea? No. And it would be... That's the crazy part. Even if the, even if the visual effects were, you know, like, natural. No, I don't think they would. I think they would. Why wouldn't they? Because to put... Well, the, here's the music. Uh, like, movie execs are not going to put that much effort into like having real explosions they'd rather just computer generate that stuff because it's way cheaper now uh, i'm trying to look up recent alien movies i mean you had well no none of these are i mean you have the reboot did you see that predator that was terrible it, no i never watched it was the wor- it was one of the worst movies you, it was seen. terrible and i just it was yes uchi have you seen that <laughs> no but i've heard stories yeah heard of it's it. Garbage. Yes, like uh, the predators want to take this one kid because he's autistic, and that's like the next link to locking, unlocking, like their uh, like intelligence or something, and they want to uh, hurt the humans because of global warming and all. Like it's so fucking stupid. Oh god! <laughs> oh my god! Maybe I should watch it just for <laughs> shits and giggles. I love he uh, uh David just put up like I guess the latest action movies. Every single one of these action movies has some sort of computer generated moment in it. There's no real explosions, you know, like that's kind of frustrating a little bit. Well, there's a lot of demand for that production style and when you use like actual physical entities like the puppets and things like that, it looks a lot better. I'm surprised they're not jumping on the back. I guess maybe it's more expensive than doing the digital stuff, and that's why Hollywood keeps driving It's weird, because eventually we'll probably do Jurassic Park, and that's known as a, as a famous yeah, CGI movie. Huge. And I think there's like it's like 10 minutes worth of CGI oh, in yeah. that movie, or something like that. Might be even less, like 8 minutes. Yeah. Everything puppets. else is like mechanical and... Yeah, yeah, puppets. Life size models or whatever. Like they just have the head and they just use the head. But like now, Jurassic World's probably yeah. 98%, you know, CGI, of course. Seriously. And you can tell. Yeah, it's the Jurassic Park still looks difference. pretty dang good. Might be a couple parts that, yeah, could be a little better. Yeah. But the T Rex still looks great. But to go back and rewatch it, like it looks amazing. It's like something you, if it was like, oh, this movie was created today, mm-hmm. you'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Like you wouldn't really question it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was, uh, shit, what was it? Uh, Mark, Martin Scorsese, where he was like, dude, most movies are like 
freaking just theme parks now. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> just computer generated theme parks. Let's take a minute Back in the to just appreciate mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger's career here. So eighty four, he goes to Terminator. Eighty five, Commando. Eighty seven, Predator. Also the Running Man. Eighty eight, Twins, with Danny DeVito. 1990 Total Recall, 1990 also Kindergarten Cop, 1991 Terminator 2. Like, that's insane. Holy shit, I'm on. Six yeah. year run. I'm on this film. So I got some trivia, <laughs> though. Of The Running Man, Predator, Commando, The Terminator, and Kindergarten Cop, which one of those movies had the top worldwide box office? By far. Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I just totally yes. Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. Yeah. That was a... Why didn't they do a sequel to that? That was. I don't know. I mean, made 200 and something million dollars. They probably could have. But he was doing... He went... So he goes like 88 uh, twins. So more comedic. Kindergarten Cop. More com- comedic performance. Terminator 2. He's the good guy. And then right after that, he goes back to Last Action Hero, kind of a comedy. Then True Lies and Eraser. I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to do, maybe he wanted to do like True Lies type movies, which made a lot of money. But yeah, getting back to Predator, you know what's one thing I really liked about Predator too? How, the survival instincts, like learning how to survive in the jungle, like really putting yourself in that situation that, you know, it's hot, it's gross, there's something hunting you. And, and they did myth, myth busters on the whole mud thing as camouflage. Yeah, that's, that's bullshit. It, that's, it makes that's, your body that's warmer. That's not real. That's not real. If you put cool mud on <laughs> yeah, you, it makes yeah, your body it, warmer yeah. so you show up uh, hotter or more red or whatever. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, just the fact that he had to like be a man of the nature and figure out traps and like basically become because all his guns were gone and he had to basically trap the predator. The yeah, hunter, it's super know, primal at the end. Or something. Everything gets stripped away because it starts mm-hmm. off as an action movie and then it becomes like a slasher flick for about thirty minutes and then it's just like, all right, we just got to fucking kill this thing and then everything gets stripped away and it's just mano y mano mm-hmm. this makes me want to rewatch the movie it's pretty fascinating the 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 tone change of that movie i don't know many movies that can change genres in the middle of the movie you know that's pretty yeah impressive. like you don't know what type of movie it is but each one works like, I would just watch a movie with them mm-hmm. going around and killing South American terrorists or whatever they're trying to... I don't even know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, I would just go follow those characters around. That's why I'm always disappointed in the other movies. I like Predator 2 just fine, but they just don't have the characters. Especially in the Predator. Yeah, when they took it to the city, it always kind of... I mean, the... The environment was what gave that film a big part of it. The lighting was awesome. Yeah, it's you don't dark. even know what's happening. And I'm not I don't I'm not convinced that Danny Glover could be a predator. 
He does fine. But that Predator in Predator 2 is dumb as shit. <laughs> he does the stupidest shit ever. Yeah. Does actual Predator? Like, he's the reason he gets fucked up. I don't think it's Danny Glover. He just makes a bunch <laughs> of mistakes. Like, he's he's hunting Danny Glover on the rooftop, and then he's like, oh, I gotta take a break to, like, breathe on his mask. And then he walks to the very end of the ledge, like, turns his back. Like, how about just turn the other way? Where you like, where you know he is. This is dumb. <laughs> Did I, you rewatch that? I've, I've seen that one a bunch too. Oh, oh yeah, no, I've, I've seen that one a whole lot. That had a big HBO run. I like Predator too. Um, but I guess that gets to the underlying point, like. Back then, it was like, this is how you be a man. Shoot guns and explosions and big-ass fucking biceps and, you know, survival on the lands and mano a mano, you can hunt, you know? There's that level of masculinity. And I feel like, one, it's missing from modern entertainment. And two, it makes you wonder, what is masculinity now? Because we can't do all that because we're... We, we got all the commodities. We can buy shit at the store and, like, provide money, you know, by having a job and stuff. We don't need to hunt for our food anymore, you know, unless we live out in the woods. So what is masculinity now, you know? But what are we comparing that to? Are we comparing that to, like, the 70s? Are we comparing that to, like, the late 18s? Like, what is the... Is it like this transition over time, or are we talking about like back when this was like super macho, what a man should be, which is like muscles provide? I think, I think the latter. Okay. Yeah. I think that's where I'm trying to compare and collect. Because uh, I don't know if you guys hear it a lot, but like people are like, ah, men don't do this, or nobody knows how to change a tire and all this stuff. And you hear that from all these boomers, and it's like, okay, well. Do we need to do those things? Is that important to us? Is it important to you? You know, is that considered our definition of a man? You know, you know, what is considered a man now? It's really makes you wonder, like, what what is is considered masculine? Your definition of being a man? Um, I feel like it's it's definitely about self, like knowing who you are, how you can provide for yourself and your family if you have one. Um, what makes you basically get up and fight for the day? That's like the things that, um, you know, that are important to you that make you feel as confident as possible. That's where masculinity stems from now, you know? Um, I think these uh, there's these standards back in the day for masculinity that I don't think that we need to meet, but there are new standards for sure. Um, you know, being active and healthy is a very important one. Being able to protect your fa- yourself and your you know your family or lifestyle is important too. Um, the other thing is. Um, God, how can I put it? Not necessarily being like, you know, I don't have any feelings or, you know, I'm just going to be, you know, just super abrasive, but also being able to like, just say, this is me. I'm, I, I have a pride. This is my conf- This is my level of confidence. 
and it's mine, you know, that level of territorial, you know, shit. You're saying it's like more of an individualistic perspective rather than like what what is conveyed by society or like the norms or yes. standards? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's individual. It's very individual. Um, dude, have you seen that Gillette commercial? You know what I'm talking about? Came out like 2017. It was during the whole Me Too movement. I was like, men will be boys, will be boys. And it's like, men, we see you and you need to step up and be better men and all that. You saw that? That is literally the inverse of Predator, the movie. That is someone else trying to tell you how to be a man. And it's so frustrating because <laughs> it's like, dude, you don't know me. Like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm supposed to just like, I, I like step, we need, you need to see that commercial. It's so aggravating actually, because it's like, what? It's aggravating because they're trying to tell you how to be a man? Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's like, you are not a man. You don't know what it's like. How dare you, you know? Because, you know, and, and here's the misogyny coming out, or the toxic masculinity, or whatever you want to call it. But the person who made that commercial was directed by a woman. Was it? <laughs> yeah, it was really? directed by a woman, yeah. So it's like, you, it's like women don't want men to step into the world of feminism and tell them how to be women. So why are you telling a man how to be a man? It'd be interesting to see what the demographic for that commercial is, though. Like, who are they really targeting? Oh, for sure. Like, is it going to be a younger demographic? Or, and then they're, they're kind of more impressionable to, like, what a man should be, and so that's what they feel like they need to get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, what, what was it, uh, what was it? There, there was a part where even in that commercial where they're like, this guy like jumps in front of this other guy and is like, dude, don't, don't holler at that chick. Yeah, be better, dude. Be better. And it's like, is every guy in the world gonna be hollering at chicks like all the time? Am I gonna be stepping in front of another guy saying that's not cool? Like it's so cheesy. You know what I mean? It's so stupid. So. That's, yeah, that's the flip side of that. <laughs> but it's like, I wonder what the driving factors are from, like, back in the 80s to what defined, you know, like, a, a man. Was it just our perceptions because that's what Hollywood served us and that's what's changed over time in the media? Or is it, like, an actual generational thing of how, like, the state of, like, what a man is? Because today I think it's a little bit more, it's starting to become a little bit more cliche for a guy to offer to pay for the woman for dinner. I know that there's kind of like this resurgence of women who like don't really want to see that. They want to be very like um, individual and self-sufficient. So they kind of like don't really want that. I think there's kind of like the surge also for women to, um, to not want to see someone who's super bro or super like filled with tests. So I wonder if it's just like, if it's like a, a, a sexist thing or if it's like a, a media and Hollywood driven thing or like what's the driver over time of like what's defining that? Yeah. I wonder. I wonder about that because it could be. I think it is a media thing. I think it's more media than like gender roles in general because media is the way to reach more people and so 
I mean, obviously, you know where Hollywood is located. And I mean, our media polls are New York and California, you know? So like the the way that they at, have their gender roles in those two poles of the country is how they're dictating the rest of the country, how they should be men. And as you guys all know, it's all individual. It's all individual. It's what you wanted to define it as. Um, and I don't think they were necessarily respecting that because, you know, you ask every single man what it means to be a man, and they're not going to tell you the same answer. Similar, but they're not going to tell you the same answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or absolutely, could be a household or what it means to be a good man, too. Yes. That's well, what qualities thing. do y'all think? Be a good one. To be a man? You want a good man. Be a good man? Uh, I think it's just being respectful. Uh, I think it's having certain values of just kind of owning up to certain responsibilities. Um, You know, because someone could come in and they might be a good father, but I think if they're kind of not putting their full selves into it, I don't know. That's kind of a difficult question. What do you guys think? Well, part of being a good man is um, it's just like being a good person, really. There's there's some of that involved in it. So don't be an asshole, you know? Nice. Be nice to other people. Um, but be able to know who you are as a person, you know? what What you like and what you don't like. And being able to have the respect or being able to protrude that, you know, within a respectful manner, you know. Um, being able to, uh, you know, wanting to be able to take risks, provide for yourself, take care of yourself, having that nice health, mental health, and also physical health, spiritual health, all that. Um you know, just, you know, it doesn't have to be all aggressive. It's just more just, I think it's just protruding confidence and knowing yeah, who you being are. Being a confident man. You know? Uh, I like mm-hmm. what you said, too, uh, about being all in. You know, a lot of people think just because they do something half the time, that means that's what they are. But if you're an asshole half the time, too, well, you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and it's not making excuses. And, and I'm kind of reading something here too, and it kind of breaks down the definition of like masculinity and being an adult man. And I think it's also kind of, I think masculinity comes at a younger age, and kind of becoming an adult man comes at a later age. I think it's just kind of recognizing how you change. I mean, if you, I see people all the time. But if I talk to them today, it's almost like I had talked to them back when they were 18 and they're just, their viewpoints on the world haven't changed. They haven't matured in the way that they perceive things. They may have had kids, but they still act like they're 18. Um, you know, they, they're not fiscally responsible, nor do they care to be. Um, it, it's those types of things. I think it's kind of being, it's like this progression, right? I can look back on when I was 18 I know that I was a fucking idiot. 
I made a lot of stupid choices, but like I continuously learn from those things. And I've kind of, in that, in that regard, I've kind of like grown into a man. And if, when I kind of see those other people who haven't kind of grown in the way that I have or that we have or anything like that, like I never look at those people and I'm like, that guy is a man. That guy's like, you know, that guy's responsible. That guy knows his shit. I think that's, but when I do talk to a guy, I'm like, that guy's been through some shit and he's learned some things. And I can have a conversation with that guy. To me, that's masculinity. When I can talk to someone, I'm like, we're kind of on that same level. And some people just never get to that point. And it's like super crazy to me that people don't continuously like adapt. Or it learn takes a lot of honest self-reflection. Yeah, exactly. And that's really difficult to do, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to self-reflect and like to, when you lay down in bed at night, you kind of start to think about stupid decisions maybe that you made or like, you know, dumb conversations that you've had or stupid things that you said. I did not actually take time to think about that and be like, oh, I could have done this a little bit differently. Or even in situations where you think you might have been right, but still having that self-doubt, I think is really um, emotionally beneficial to like consistently be analyzing those situations to get to like the better point. Because then I can take that next time I approach that situation, I can approach it from a different angle. And I've done that constantly. But I know people mm. who are just never going to get to that point. And it's crazy to me that people don't get to that point. Well, let me ask you this, Austin, because I, I, I know my answer for my father to be, but I want to ask you this question. Um, and you can ask me too. Um, where do you compare and contrast your father as a man and you as a man? What is the difference? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. That's a good question. Hmm. I think we're pretty pretty similar with patience. Like I never really saw him well when he was you know, thirty, forty, fifty, like yell or anything like that, like I always kinda of stayed in control. Now certainly when I was twenty I did not do that. But now when I'm a little older I, I can control you know, I have better patience. I control the anger better or anything like that. So I think we're similar in that way. Um, I don't know. I have to think about that. I know we don't align politically anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I've <laughs> told you this, but he emailed me about, he emails me about Trump like all the time, about how awesome he is and stuff. It's pretty funny. Oh, fuck. Uh, I don't know. I, I would I would say I'm more confident than he is. As far as knowing who I am, I've had him say things like he told me about a time where uh, he was like a, a sub at a school after he retired. And then I guess someone like a principal had said something to him and he told me, like, oh, he's bullying me. And I was like, you're a grown man. Like, no, one, like, I, I just couldn't I couldn't believe he said that. Like, no one's going to bully me at work. I'm going to be like, man, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no one's going to bully me. <laughs> so, like, that, I think that that's very different. So, what about you? Yeah. Um, so, I have two examples. My father and my father-in-law. They, they have two similar 
traits that I feel like I have like tried my hardest to engineer out. And one of the biggest things, especially with these boomer fathers, is nothing is ever their fault. They are always trying to blame someone else for something going wrong. And like David was saying, it and you were saying that it takes a lot of work to have self-reflection and to say, okay, where did I go wrong? How can I do better? I think that's one big thing that I feel like I have like gotten over my father and father-in-law, obviously. And so for that, that's the compare the contrast part. But comparing them, yeah, the resilience, my dad is stupid resilient. This man immigrated from Nigeria with a lot of not, well, maybe like a couple of you know, he they had some money, but he had some money, but like he immigrated from Nigeria and now he's like a nurse and he's gone through like five career changes and like he's getting his PhD and I'm like, that man's resilient as Holy hell. Shit. Like yeah. resilient as hell. So if there's any like that's the one thing I'd like to achieve is like that level of resilience. And I think saying that hard work really does pay off. Oof, man, that's that's big. So and there's those qualities of being a man that, like, that's what I mean. Like, that's mm-hmm. masculinity in my book, you know, resilient. For sure. That's a good one. What about you, David? Uh, I'm completely different from my dad. Like, 100% different. He was, he kind of was, like, the stereotypical, you kind of come home, your tea is made when you get home. Uh, not really help clean, sits on the couch, watches TV after his, after he gets home at 5.30, does that. So I, I try to take a much larger role uh, in, like, my family's life. Um, you know, I don't try to, you know, even when I get off work, I'm very active and, like, physically engaged with my family. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of saw a lot of things in how I grew up and kind of identified things in which I didn't want to be. And that's kind of what what I kind of strive for. And that's kind of another thing is like, as my son grows up, it's like, what do I want to instill in him as, as being a man? And I think that's, I feel like I've kind of defined a lot of things for myself and kind of self-reflected on that. I'm like, what I'm going to pass over to him. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, yeah what type it will be if your kid's like, I need you to guide me, or I'm good, I'll figure it out. That's strange. Yeah. Because what if you guide him the right way, but he's like, I don't want you to tell me. But that'd Not be amazing, right? Not if he does intentionally the wrong thing. I think but... that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's a complicated situation, man. I think... Um masculinity well it has evolved now since the 1980s um like the what are they saying that masculinity is more about you know being responsible and being all in and inclusive um so it's gonna be interesting how masculinity evolves when your son's age you know hidden he's an adult because we might be the old geezers yelling at them saying you don't know how to change a battery in a car you know, you don't know how to change a tire, but do we need to let, let them learn those things, you know, or are they going to find masculinity be something else? Well, that's a good point. It's like, where is it going? Because what, what is that term woke? What's that woke? Everyone? Yeah. 
Woke. Uh, yeah, yeah, woke. What, what does that mean? And woke is like, I call it SJW, so social justice warrior. So they're like trying to be like, you know, in the know and be aware of things, but really they're kind of just signaling like they. It's just showing that really you know, know of it and you care. It's just the the show of it. If it doesn't, you're not actually doing anything. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's the wrong thing, but it, it, maybe it's just kind of like being coddled. I know a lot more young boys who are just being coddled, and they never they never get to the point where I, I think they're going to be where I think I would want my son to be. I want my son to be very independent. And Bill Maher was talking about this. He's like back in the day where he would ride his bicycle to the dentist appointment and do the dentist without any sort of drugs because they didn't have it. And they would drill into his teeth. And then he would be riding his bike back, crying in tears, alone. And I, you know, as a kid, I got on my bike and I'd be gone from for like eight hours. And my parents, and I'd be back by dinner. And my parents just kind of understood that I would be back. It's It's crazy to think that, Parents would even let their kids do that today, but that was like a huge point. Be like, I don't know. Yeah, like I remember you would come over like at you know ten or eleven a.m. We would leave and we'd come back at you know six. Like we didn't play video games yeah. until the night. We never played during the day. If we did in the morning or at night. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, no questions from your mom or my mom. It was just kind of like back into the same thing. And like, I can't imagine Terry letting Dawson do that. I mean, I would want to let him do that. And I think kids need to be very, but I mean, I know parents who like have video cameras in their son's bedroom until they're like 12, you know, just to make sure and they can be like, go back to bed. You know, it's just like this constant need to like, not control them, but to shield monitor them and shield them. Yeah. And like, I think a media plays into this, like your kid's going to get raped if you let him, you know, go down the street or something like that. And, yeah. you know, well, that's what's, it's concerning. Getting to back to the like 80s, that it. whole, you know, media blitz with the, the kids disappearing started in the 80s. That was the first time they used the, the milk carton, put the, the milk carton. Oh yeah, stranger danger. Crazy. That all happened yeah. in the eighties. Yeah. Wow. It makes sense. Like I would maybe give my kid pepper spray or like some form of defense. I think uh, today I would do that. And if my parents had done it back in the day, I think that would have been a smart idea. But I mean, otherwise, how are you going to let them be independent? Like I think that's a big issue. Is like kids do not have the opportunity to be independent. And so they're just kind of being stuck in front of devices or doing that. I just don't think they're growing in the way that I would want my son to grow or the way that I feel like I've gotten to. Yeah, when you're growing that. up, you need yeah. to go out and explore, fall off your bike. And then when you get a little older, I think everyone needs to live by themselves for a little bit, too. You learn a lot yeah. about yourself. Like, I'm surprised I didn't break a bone. Like, we used to jump on the trampoline, and I almost landed, like, off that thing about a billion times. I'm surprised I didn't snap my neck on that. I mean, I felt my bike, like, miles away from my house to the point where I could barely walk. Like, I'd fallen out of trees. Like, I mean, sure, things are bad things are going to happen, but, I mean. Yeah, and we did, we did a ton of dumb stuff. So I mean, it's just kind of part of growing up. Yeah. But if you can't make those mistakes, back to the self-reflection, how do you self-reflect if you're not making mistakes? 
And then if you're not making mistakes, do you become an arrogant piece of shit? So funny story about that, actually. Um, it's a tale of two brothers. Um, <laughs> my little brother, uh, man works for Amazon. The man has been like the smartest guy in our family forever, you know, and he has that. And I love him to death. He's a great guy. He's probably going to think I'm an asshole if he hears this, but <laughs> he's, he has a superiority complex where he's like, I'm better than people because he's had everything handed to him. You know, like my parents basically handed them everything. When I was growing up, I didn't get shit. <laughs> like I, I got kicked out of the house. I had to basically scrape for myself, scrape by, figure it out all myself. And there's a level of humility and like understanding of other people that comes with like the struggle, you know? And I think that's what's going to end up happening if people are shielded too long is they forget about other, they lose empathy, you know, they lose the empathy of like the struggle. But you also, you had a lot of siblings, right? I had a lot of siblings. Yeah. That's another thing which I think is also kind of a smaller families that you're seeing today. Everyone that I know that had a lot of siblings was really good, like morally directionally. Yeah. Or like in terms of like their values, like our contractor who worked on this house, he yeah. has like four brothers and two sisters. And like he, to the point where he's like, he had to build everything for himself. Like his parents didn't have any money to like give to him. Mm-hmm. So he had to kind of build things. Like I had friends back when who had like three brothers. And so they were very strong and would stand up for other people even because they were kind of put in those positions and have to like fend for themselves. Yeah. I just, I think you're going to not, you know, me and Austin obviously didn't have that, but I think a lot of people were driven by those factors and I think you're going to see less of those people as well. Um, the other thing is speaking on media. So this is the, the thing I just gets on my last nerve is like, if you talk to, if you look at liberal media, there's a push for feminism and that's fine. Feminism is good. Like let's push for more, uh, women's rights, women's stuff. But if you talk about masculinity on liberal media, it's toxic. It's like, you can't talk about being a man because women are struggling, you know? You can't talk about masculine male problems and anything. So there is no male role models. The male role models in liberal media is these kind of, what's the word they use? Cucks? Cucks, yes. Yeah, they're, they're like, they call them beta males. So they're not really like, they don't, they don't have that self-reflection. They don't have that level of confidence in themselves. They just think of themselves as kind of insignificant. On the flip side of that, if you talk to like right-leaning conservative media, it's all, you know, 1980s masculinity. It's got to be strong. Give me the guns and all this other stuff. There is no, and I hate to use the words, but safe space for masculinity. Not really, you know, like... It's, it's being attacked on both sides because it's either you are strong and aggressive and, you know, don't, don't take no prisoners man or you're a beta male cuck, you know? And not all men are that, either or, you know? I wonder if it's an aspect of, like, people saying things what other people want to hear. Yeah. Because I think at the core, the same things that women find attractive in men hasn't changed. Yeah. And at its core, the same things that make a really good man haven't changed. I wonder if it's just people who are kind of like 
being this water virgin who want to hear these specific things and excuses that ultimately that's kind of like what we're starting to tell people. So it's kind of like this vicious cycle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think that's why talking about masculinity is so important with men, you know, cause we need to define it. We need to set the tone for the next generation. You know what I mean? Well, that's a really good point because, like, I've always thought I never got a talk when I was a kid. I just kind of had to figure out when Dawson comes to a certain age, I'm going to have a conversation about like, what it means to be a good man. Like, I'm going to give him a condom. I'm going to be like, hey, women need to be, like, respected and give him that conversation of, like, this is what it means to be a good man. Like, you protect yourself and you protect them. Like, it's a mutual thing. Like, and then here's how you need to treat other people and just kind of have that conversation generally like you're a man now, this is how you need to act. And I think that's kind of important to like do. And I don't yeah. think a lot of people do that. No, I never got that talk. No. I never got that talk. My talk was more uh, it wasn't you need to protect yourself. It was more be be better. Be better. You're not good enough yet. Well, that's good. <laughs> but it wasn't but it was in a such an abrasive way that it was like you are worthless and you can never get better so that's another inverse of that you yeah. telling me that it helped it it helped in the sense it helped in the sense that like i always wanted to prove him wrong that i am better than sure. i am but at the same time that means that you're on constantly yearning for that approval and you may never get it you know not until you become your own man like you were saying, you figure it out. Then they are like, oh, I'm so proud of you. It was like, okay, so I needed to get out from under your tutelage, basically. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's a complicated factor. But this is what I'm saying. So we need to have the conversation about masculinity because, like, we can't have media and all this stuff, like, dictating what masculinity is for us. We got to define that shit. Any last thoughts? I think uh, I think people just need to be more self-aware on it. And I, I don't think it goes for just men. I think it goes for women too. It's like, what does it mean to be a good woman? What does it mean to be a good person? And maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't have to be this conversation of a man. Or what What does it mean to be a good man? Or what does it mean to be a good? Maybe it needs to be more focused of like, what does it mean to be a good person? You know that being a poor person is focused on very key values and I think that's where we can find a good middle point of what it was then to what it is now because then I think it was a little too biased towards you know being muscular and buff and you need to provide for your family while the wife is in the kitchen and things like that I'm glad that we moved away from that but I also don't want it to be this watered down bullshit where people kind of like lost their way and no longer have have those core, some of those core values that I think were important. So I think it's just driving that conversation, conversation like, what does it mean to be a good person on both sides? And then people can start to work on themselves, you know, through reflection and making those mistakes and independence and things like that. I think that's kind of what I would like to see. And that's where I'm gonna steer my family and my kids. And I would hope to see them do that in the future too. So I just kind of hope we start to see that a little bit more yeah uchi got anything else no he summed it up that's a good way to end it like all right
what do we do? Who says the ending? Say bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say bye. <laughs>